Yeah, this he's shaking. Good evening and welcome to a Saturday evening, March the 5th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and our regular Saturday evening guest, Mr. Lucas Doremus. And forgive me, we're chuckling a little bit. He started the uh, recording a little bit, a couple seconds too early. So if I, if you got a little of me laughing or joking, uh, yeah, I got it. I got caught in the middle being trying to be humorous. Okay. So, uh, but in all seriousness, uh, see, see how quickly I can change you the tone. Well, yeah. But in all seriousness, we do have a rather important subject to talk about tonight. Uh, Lucas is going to be, now we're going to be in Proverbs 10 through 29 again. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, but he's told me that we only really have one subject tonight uh -huh. to talk about we've been doing three or four at a time haven't we yeah two to four yeah so we're gonna but we're gonna concentrate on one subject tonight just one because proverbs has so much to say about it yeah it does uh and that subject ladies and gentlemen is something that we all have a little bit of probably maybe some of us have none at all some of us have probably too much of it uh and I don't know if you can have too much of it. Oh, what's he talking about? You say, well, I'm going to let Lucas tell us what I'm talking about. But he's going to tell us about what the scripture says about this subject. All right. So, Lucas, without further ado, tell us what it is that we're talking about tonight, buddy. Well, it's, it's really not a secret. We're talking about money. And the reason I say it's not a secret is because, Curtis, before they listen to this, they're going to see the title of it and hit the play button. So, you know, well, you don't really. I, I, I might not title it anything to do with money. I don't oh, know. Oh, well, there you get a tricky. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Proverbs has a lot to say about money. Um, we know the Bible has a lot to say about money. Uh, money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says in the New Testament. The love of money. The, the love of money. That's right. Sorry, sorry about that. The love of money. Um, money is ultimately a means of exchange. Uh, you know, I do something for you. You do something for me. Uh, and if it's not just a direct trade of, you know, work or something, we use money to do that. And so money is a big topic. Uh, and God has a lot to say about money and how to use it. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. Uh, there's also nothing wrong with having a little bit of money. It all depends on how you use it. Uh, the Bible never condemns wealth. In fact, we're going to talk about how, how wealth can be used in Proverbs. And so it's all about how you use your money. And so if you've got a lot of it, God bless you. He gave it to you. Use it wisely. Uh, right. nothing, nothing wrong. In fact, um, in Luke's gospel, uh, there are a couple women that are mentioned as traveling with Jesus and providing for all his needs. Uh, we would call that donations in the modern time. Uh, Jesus needed money uh, to support himself. Uh, now, did he absolutely, you know, when I say he needed it, could he have just created bread? Well, I mean, yeah, he could have, but he didn't. And he used the humanly means of money to support himself and his disciples and live. And so, Money, you know, as I prepared this and looked at it, this is a difficult topic to uh, talk about because money isn't real anymore. Uh, 
money isn't based on anything anymore. Uh, money's not real. And uh, so before we start the Proverbs, we're going to be talking about how it's not real. Uh, so there is this thing out there. It's called fractional reserve banking. Uh, have you guys heard of that? Heard of it, yes. Yep. Fractional reserve banking. So this is done very commonly. <coughs> uh, they teach this in schools. Uh, what it is, is a, a number of centuries ago, money was backed up by gold or silver or, you know, precious gems, whatever it was. Money had this physical thing that you would give to somebody and it had this value. Well, money's heavy, or excuse me, gold is heavy. And so if you had gold coins or copper coins or whatever, and you could try to carry them around in your pocket, your purse, whatever it was, that would really weigh you down. And so, you know, a number of centuries after, you know, Jesus walked the earth, they figured out, you know, if we can use uh, paper notes to determine how much money I actually owe, that's a lot easier to carry around and a lot easier to manage. So they went to this paper system. Uh, today we have a paper system. And if you look on your dollar bill, you'll see it's called a Federal Reserve Note. Yeah, That's a note. Reserve note. Yeah. Um, except for maybe being able to use it as some kindling for a fire. Uh, there's no inherent value in that piece of paper. Right. But anyway, the reason is, is there isn't is because at one time, they still all the paper you money, money you had was still based on how much gold you had or silver or whatever it was in a bank. Correct. Well, what the what the bank figured out is that very rarely would people actually come in and cash all their paper money for gold. Right. So what they figured out in the banks is they figured out well we really only have to have roughly ten percent of the actual gold in the reserves for somebody uh, for somebody to come in and cash out. Uh, everything else was just people exchanging notes out there. Mm -hmm. So what did they start doing? Well, they started printing more notes and they started uh, not valuing it based on gold anymore. They figured out that banks could literally create money out of thin air in these yeah. notes give them to people and they didn't really have to back it up with anything. Right. So that's actually been going on for centuries. So money hasn't been real for a long time. Now, I think it was 1971 in the United States, President Nixon signed us into a fiat currency. Well, yes. And what that means is we, our money in America no longer has value in terms of gold. Um, this actually, there was an emperor in China that forced all his citizens to use notes like we're using now. Yep. Now, and it's very actually, so money, again, it isn't real, and it's very easy to prove. Uh, if you're in the United States, whenever they pass a, quote, quote stimulus check, uh, they literally just create money in your bank account now. They don't even That's give you the check to cash it. They just literally create it. That's right. Um, now, if you think about what that means is money, you know, it's all stored digitally in some database somewhere. So what you can imagine is your money is literally a spreadsheet in somebody's, you know, database somewhere. And all the government was put one more row in that spreadsheet that said you get this much more money in your bank account. That's right. But that doesn't actually mean anything. No. It's just it, it's digital. It doesn't have any value. Has no intrinsic value. Mm -hmm. uh, 
and so when they give you that stimulus, they're literally just creating that money out of thin air. It has no value. Um, now what you ask, well, how come banks can do that? That's not really fair. Uh, this, this took me a long time to figure out, uh, what banks can do. And they do this all the time. If you go back and look at the history of the United States, Britain, France, Germany, take anywhere, banks are allowed to loan money, but banks are never held accountable for how much money they loaned out. That's right. However, who they loan it to is held accountable to pay the bank back with interest. And so that is literally banks just say they have $12 million that they're going to loan somebody. They don't, but they just say they do. Yeah, they they can create it out of nothing. Yep. And then the bank is nobody ever asked the banks, well, show me where that $12 million is. That doesn't happen but whoever they loan it to is expected to pay it back. So money is not real. So when we talk about money in the, in the Bible, uh, it's a little difficult to talk about. Now we still use, a, use it here and we use still need it. Uh, those Federal Reserve notes that you hold in your wallet, they're still money because we all value it as money, but it still doesn't actually mean anything. So it's, it's sort of a, sort of a very it's it's a weird thing to, for me to study uh now when proverbs talks about money or wealth or riches most of the time it is talking about physical you know money value wealth um sometimes it's talking about riches that aren't necessarily money and, and we'll kind of get to those and talk about them yeah um so i i think that's a that's a good enough intro and we'll get to other things as we do the Proverbs. So we're going to be in, start in Proverbs chapter 10. Um, and, and it really starts off with a verse that we got a lot of talked about. This is Proverbs 10, verse 15. It uh-huh. says, it says, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now let's handle the first half. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. Well, the rich man's wealth is a strong city because when trouble comes, he has enough money to handle it. Yeah. He can pay for things, you know, that happen badly or, you know, he has the resources to protect himself. If the tornado wipes out his warehouse, he can replace it. Right. And so that's why wealth is a strong city. Then the second part here, the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now, after studying this a lot in Proverbs, there, when, when Proverbs talks about the poor, there are two kinds of poor that Proverbs is talking about. One kind of poor is because you're foolish and you don't handle your money well, and that's what makes you poor. There is another poor out there that is just because of unfortunate circumstances, you are poor, you don't have money. And so when you study Proverbs, you got to discern which one they're talking about. And so in this one, uh, this proverb, the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Um, This one is talking about someone who is poor and doesn't have money, and that's destructive. And that's why they are, they're in poverty because of their foolishness. They didn't spend their money well, and that's what made them poor. So let's, let's move on to the next verse. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1. This theme is going to be hit on, I think, four times, if I remember right. 
Dishonest scales and are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. What's this talking about? Well, what they would do is they would have weighting stones, and maybe that's not the proper word for them, but, you know, this is a pound, this is two pounds. Uh, you know, they didn't use pounds back then, but whatever system they used. Um, and so you would have these scales where you would put those weights that you knew were that amount of pounds, and then you would put whatever you were buying for that weight in the other scale. So you knew when those scales equaled out and they were even, you were getting exactly two pounds or, you know, one pound, whatever it was. Yeah, I think in Palestine, in the Old Testament, it was an omer. Okay. O-M-E-R. Yeah, and, and so they would have these. Well, when he's saying dishonest scales, uh, what you can do is you can make your scales weighted. Yeah. Which means you can make it look like uh, one side is not as heavy as it should be, which yeah. means you can charge people more and give them less. Yeah. Or, or not necessarily, well, excuse me, not necessarily charge them more, charge them the same rate, but give them less. less. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it says, but a just weight is his delight. So being fair with what you charge people, that's what God's getting at. Um, now, I have not been in a job uh, where this happens, but I'm going to guess that when, if you are a, some kind of contractor, you know, maybe you do concrete work. Uh, maybe you do buildings or roads, things like that. Uh, I would think that bidding on a job uh, would be a difficult thing. Yeah. Because you want to bid at the proper amount that you need to make enough money to run your business and support your family and all that stuff, but you don't want to overcharge for that job. And so you've got to hit that sweet spot of this is how much money I should be making and I'm not overcharging. So just, you know, again, we're going to hit that theme a lot, but being fair about what you charge people and being honest about how much they're getting, that's important. Uh, chapter 11, verse four, it says, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Uh, so in the day of wrath, this could be talking about the day of your death. Uh, riches don't profit you anything. Well, why? Well, because you can't take it with you. No amount of money on the planet is going to stop you from dying. Uh, but your righteousness, that will deliver you from death. We've talked about this theme a lot, that if you don't sin, you will live longer. Now, I thought of this, the other, this may be out of context, but I thought of it, that day of wrath could be the return of Jesus. Could. That's possible. So in the day of wrath, when Jesus comes back, if you're not a believer, all the money in the world will not help you. That's right. And that's why it's so important to believe in Jesus right now so you don't have to face that's that. Right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, chapter 11, verse 15, it says, He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. Uh, so, so what's surety? Well, it's, it's sort of like uh, backing up someone or helping someone with their debts. It's lending insurance. It's uh -huh. if you're a cosigner, you're surety. Ah, cosigner. Yep, that's a good modern way to explain it. Uh, being surety, uh, and this this theme is also going to pop up another times. The Bible is very very against you being surety for someone else. Yeah. Um, and so you've got to make sure that if you're helping someone, uh, you've got to make sure that you are not being entangled by what they're doing. 
And you've got to make sure that uh, you are not being put in a place that you cannot make good on your debt or something's bad is going to happen. Right. Um, So the Bible really wants you to help people, but it's saying don't cover people's debts. And if you give somebody money, don't expect anything in return, Uh, you know, that kind of thing. So don't be surety for somebody else. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 24, it says, there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds great or withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Uh, Let's read the next verse too. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. What is the Bible saying here? Generosity, giving to other people, leads to wealth. Yeah. Now, that is a very seemingly contradictory thing. (laughs) Um, The more money I give away, the more money I get. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't explain it, but yes, God works that way. Yeah. Um, I, I may have told this story before, kind of in some of the earlier parts of Proverbs. I had a friend that told me that at one point in their life, they just decided to stop giving. They, just, they decided God doesn't really need my money. Um, I'm kind of in a rough spot. I need to keep my money. So I'm just going to stop giving. It's not a big deal. There's a lot of other people I go to church with. I'm, I'll, you know, it'll be fine. And uh, this person told me that all of a sudden, you know, her car started having repair issues. Her house started having repair issues. She wasn't finding sales on things she was buying. All these things started happening that was costing her more money than before her decision to stop giving. That person figured out that as soon as they started giving again, their car trouble ended, their house, you know, trouble ended. So, when you are generous, you will be made rich because <laughs> God is going to take care of you. Um, God very much cares about how you are using your money. Yep. And, and if you are a believer, um, you ought to be using your money wisely for God's purposes. Yep. Now, uh, a lot of people like to use tithing. Um, tithing is an Old Testament thing. Um, that was for the Jews yep. and, and, and it means 10%. And, and what, uh, what a lot of times Christians don't realize when they say, well, I give 10% because that's how we're supposed to tithe. There were actually two tithes every year and a tithe every three years. So actually, if we want to be accurate and say we're tithing, we're actually giving 23 and a, and a third percent of our income every year. Yes. And I've never heard one believer claim that that was how much they were giving or that was the correct amount. It's always a 10. <laughs> yeah. That's Gosh, why that's the exact percentage proposed for the uh, for the flat tax. Oh, interesting. Twenty three and a half percent. Twenty three. Well, right now we're taxed over 50 percent of our income in America. Yes, we are. Yeah. If you add income tax, property tax, sales that's tax. Right. Yeah. On and on and on. It's it's well over 50 percent. Um, but anyway, so if you if you pray and and God says, yeah, 10 percent is what I expect of you. God bless you. Mm-hmm. But don't think that 10 percent is the amount you give what you feel That's is right, right after your prayer. That's right. If you yeah. give as God has prospered as God has prospered. you. That's right. And, yeah. and as and as we get to more Proverbs, you know, I, God has really blessed 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll say it this way. I can tell that God uses money to bless me because there are times where I have, you know, some specific amount of money to pay for something. And that's exactly how much it costs. Or I was forgiven some amount of money on a bill that I didn't have to pay. And it was some exact amount or something like that. God really understands. And he really wants us to use our money wisely. And he's going to give us what we need. Yeah. Let's go to the next verse. This is chapter 11, verse 26. It says, the people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Uh, the basic lesson here, don't be a miser. Uh, if you've got something that can help people, it's okay to sell it, uh, but nobody likes somebody who withholds it uh, when it isn't right. Uh, verse 28, he who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Uh, if all you're doing is trusting in your money to get you by in life, uh, I can guarantee you at some point that will fail. Um, and, and actually I'm not going to expound on that only because there's a lot of verses that talk about that and the Bible expounds upon it better than I do. All right. This is chapter 13, verse seven. It says there is one who makes himself rich yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor yet has great riches. Now, this is one of those times where when you see poor and rich, it's not necessarily talking about only money. Um, I can think this first part, there is one who makes himself rich yet has nothing. My first thought is friends. Uh, Friends can be a lot more valuable than money. Um, Close family members, they can be a lot more valuable than money. Um, Having property that has a garden where you can grow your own food, mm-hmm. that's can be a lot more valuable than cash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that uh, when you, when you uh, make yourself rich, that doesn't necessarily mean you have a lot of money in your bank account. Uh, which, by the way, we just saw, uh, you don't own your own money. <laughs> uh, we saw uh, about, what was it, a week ago, two weeks ago, in Canada, where the government froze people's bank accounts. That's right. That's right. Took all and their money away. Yep. Took their money. So if you are counting on money in your bank account, the government can stop that, stop you from using that, you know, at the turn of a hat. Um, so it's very, so we got to be smart with our money. Um, okay. Uh, chapter 13, verse 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Ah, so you're not supposed to lie, cheat, steal to get wealth. Right. Because eventually that'll go away. Well, one practical reason it might go away is because if you gained it by dishonesty, you've got to keep it by dishonesty. And that can get you into a lot of trouble. But he who gathers by labor will increase. Well, if you work hard and you work hard at your money, somebody can't necessarily take it away at least easily because you've worked hard for it and you have the experience and the work ethic to go make more if it would ever go away. So work hard for your money. Chapter 13, verse 22, it says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. Um, A good man leaves inheritance to his children's children. Well, that would be your grandkids. 
Um, and so it's a good thing to leave an inheritance to your grandkids. Um, I remember my, my grandpa um, died um, when I was uh, right before I got into high school. And he left us, each of the grandkids, he left us a sum of money. And my parents just kind of said, you know, you really shouldn't spend that. You should put it in the bank and let it earn some interest until you graduate college, because that's a good sum of money that you never know you might need. So I did. I uh, put it in the bank, earned some interest, uh, ended up using that interest throughout college for things I needed it for. But after college, I got married and, uh, you know, we'd had to buy a car because neither of us owned one. And we had to pick, get a down payment on an apartment because we had to get somewhere to live. The car and the down payment on the apartment cost almost exactly $5,000. So what, what wisdom was there for my parents to say that inheritance from your grandpa, children's children, here's how you can use that wisely. Yeah. And that was, that was a really, that's really neat. That's one of the things I look back at and like, wow, God knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, uh, this theme is going to come up a, a couple times. If you ask me exactly what this means, I'm not totally sure. Uh, the wealth of the sinner could be stored up for the righteous because uh, maybe the sinner will lose it and the righteous will uh, inherit it somehow. Uh, if the sinner dies, you know, maybe the righteous get that. This could even be the wealth of the sinner, all the things that have been built throughout the world. We're going to inherit that in the millennium when we come back. Um, I'm not exactly sure what this talks about. I now, think the latter is probably what that's talking about, uh, but, but I'm not sure either. It's, I, I have it, a vote for that also. It's possible, and, and I'm going to get to a theme a little later where I'm going to point out that a lot of these principles about money and the righteous and foolish – as we get closer to the rapture, to the tribulation, I think they're going to diminish, and, yeah. and we'll and and we'll get to that when we yeah. when we get there. So so let's move on because we'll we'll expound upon that. Chapter fourteen, verse four. I love this verse; one of my favorites. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. What is this talking about? Well, where no oxen are, that means. When there's not a lot to manage, when there's not a lot to do, the trough is clean. As in, when you have less to do, it's a lot easier to take care of it. But much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Oh, but when you have an ox, and when you have more to take care of, more to manage, you can gain more. Now, this pro one reason I love this proverb so much is because it's not saying either is good or bad. It's just making the statement, this is how it is. Yeah. If you have more to do, more to manage, more like that kind of thing, uh, you can gain more, but it's more work. If you have less to do, you're not going to gain as much, but it's less to do. And I think we can all think of times in our life where we've had one or the other, and you can actually enjoy one of the other because that's where you are in life. It's basically your choice. Mm-hmm. And so I love that verse because, again, it's not good or bad. It's just stating yeah. this is how it is. Yeah. So chapter 14, verse 20, it says, The poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Now, we'll, I usually address the first part, but we'll address the second part after because 
our knee-jerk reaction when it says the rich has many friends is we gonna want to go well those aren't real friends yeah. no no the proverb doesn't say whether they're real friends or not that's right it just says they have many friends well why do you have many friends when you're rich well <laughs> who doesn't like to be a friend of somebody who's got a lot of stuff yeah you 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 befriend so uh, somebody who's got a lot so they can share a lot yep and again it's not saying they're real or not fake or any you know or fake or not fake it's just saying a rich has many friends yeah now the first half here, the poor man is hated by his own neighbor. Again, this is one of those verses where the poor man here is poor because of his foolishness, uh, because he doesn't have a lot to share. He's almost, because of his lack of wealth, is almost not worth being friends with. Yeah. And that's sort of, and that's sort of kind of shocks us maybe a little bit when we hear that. Um, but it's, but if you haven't got a lot of money, you probably do have friends because you can give more. You can share more, as you said, Curtis. All right. Chapter 15, verse 16, it says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Um, better to have no money at all and be faithful to God than have a lot of money and a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. And, you, you know, I've heard stories of, of guys that they spend their whole life gaining after wealth and they built great things. They, you know, constructed great things. They made huge business deals or they made a lot of commission or whatever it is. And then they get to kind of retirement age and they're really unhappy. Their family is in shambles. Yeah. Uh, they don't have a lot of friends. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Yeah. Chapter 15, verse 27. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. But he who hates bribes will live. Well, if you are greedy, if all you're searching after is money and somebody offers you a bribe, you're probably going to take it because that's free money. You know, just do this little thing and then I'll give you this money. Well, why does that trouble your own house? Well, because if your family finds out about it or that person starts expecting you to do more, well, that'll be a trouble to your own house because you'll be away from your family and your responsibilities will be split between getting this bribe, this money, and your family. Yeah, um, Joe, Joe Biden is writing a book about that this year. <laughs> uh, it, it is, has he titled it yet? Um, I, he, there's several titles in the works. One <laughs> of them is Me and My Buddy China. But... <laughs> I, I don't think that that's going to fly. Oh, I, I was just throwing you a softball there for you to hit it out of the I know park, you were. Curtis, uh, yeah. Thank you. Don't, don't <laughs> tempt him, Lucas. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so so uh, bribes are going to come up a couple times, too. Um, never, ever, 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 ever take a bribe. The Bible is extremely against bribes. Uh, sometimes it can be hard to discern what a bribe is. Um, you know, I've heard people consider sales a bribe. You know, we'll give you 20% off if you buy this and this and this. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not convinced on that one. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, don't take bribes is the point there. Uh, chapter 16, verse 11. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. Uh, another idea of this, you know, 
accurately uh, charging people for service or goods or whatever it is. Chapter 17, verse 18, it says, a man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Now here again, be extremely careful what you get involved in as far as loans and helping people out with money. Uh, just be very, very careful. Uh, we are to be generous, uh, but not be surety. Chapter 17, verse 23, it says, a wicked man accepts a bribe behind the back to preserve, pervert the ways of justice. Um, if you have to offer people money to get something out of them, that is by definition dishonest. Um, so don't be the offer of a bribe. Uh, don't be the acceptor of a bribe. Uh, it is not good. It is perverting the ways of justice. Chapter 18, verse 11, it says, the rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. And we talked about this before. A rich man's money will help him uh, overcome trouble because he has money to handle it. Mm -hmm. Chapter 18, verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Boy, that's true, isn't it? Uh, you start giving out a lot of gifts uh, you're going to make a lot of friends that eventually you're going to make uh, more powerful friends, can I say. Um, if you are a generous person in the community, uh, maybe you get invited to meet the mayor, the governor, the whoever. Um, and actually, there, there we have a subject later coming later called ruler. Um, and it's about rulers. And so we got to be very careful. But it is true. The more giving, get generous and giving you are, you, the more men you're going to be brought before. Chapter 19, verse 4, wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. Again, because you're poor and you're not, you can't share as much, you have fewer friends. Yeah. Um, use your wealth to make friends. In fact, I think Jesus talked about that, um, you know, with mammon and those sorts of things. Um, we won't go on that. I think, I think we did that in a parable. So if you're interested in we that did. topic, yeah. <laughs> you can go back and listen to it. All right, chapter 19, verse 6, it says, Many entreat the favor of nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. Yeah. There we go. Be generous with your money. Uh, chapter 19, verse 10, Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. Ooh. So uh, maybe the, the first part here, luxury is not fitting for a fool. Maybe the modern way to say that is keeping up with the Joneses. Um, if you don't have a lot of money, you should not have things that cost a lot. You should not have a lot of luxury. Right. Well, why? Because you don't have the money to take care of your necessities, much You're less. You're a poor steward of what you've got. Exactly. It is not fitting for a fool uh, who doesn't spend his money wisely. That's what assumed here to have luxury. Now here, much less for a servant to rule over princes. Now that's sort of not to do with money, but remember Solomon who wrote this was a king yeah. and his idea of being a ruler was that uh, if you are in a noble family, they should be teaching you how to be a ruler. Therefore, you will know how to be a ruler more than one of your servants right. who does not understand. Now, that's sort of hard for us to understand in this modern day because we see so many politicians that may have never, in, in America anyway, may have never seen the Constitution, must, much less have read it. Well, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. 
And so th this can be a hard one for us in the modern day to understand. But basically what Solomon's saying here is there's an order to things. And princes should know how to rule and rule righteously. And servants should be servants. Yeah. That's, and that's, and that's why, and that's why it's, it's, it's a dichotomous thing to, to call politicians public servants. Mm -hmm. they're, yep. they're rulers. They're not, they're not public servants. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, anything with the name public is, public in America yeah. anyway, about the yeah. last thing it is, is public. Right. Because right. it's, it's, it's owned by so many private interests. There's nothing oh, there's public about no it. No doubt about it. And just take your pick. If you think of public this, public that in our society, yeah. <laughs> again, nothing public about it. That's right. All right. Chapter 20, verse 10, it says, diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Now, mm -hmm. I, I would encourage people, again, this same topic, but he uses this word abomination here. I would encourage you to study, do a word study on that word abomination in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, you will find some things that God really, really hates. Oh, boy. When you do that word. One thing is this, again, this idea of dishonesty in yeah. dealing with money. Yeah. So do not be dishonest when using your money or charging people, whatever it is. I think he even called user, usury an abomination in yeah. you know, Several parts I, I, yep, I think he did. And 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 Curtis, and we can we said this at the beginning, God cares how you are using your money. Yeah. And he gives you lots of guidance on how to that's, use it. That's right. Yeah. Well, or maybe he he wants to take care of his, of how you handle his money. Yeah, you know, that's probably the more correct way to say it. Because yeah. <laughs> it's all his, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Chapter 20, verse 16, it says, take a garment, take the garment of one who is surety for a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. Um, I tell you, as I was studying, if there's one verse that I, you know, really sort of didn't understand, it was this one. And but I think what it's saying here is that uh, you want to if somebody's acting incorrectly or you don't know them, meaning they're a stranger or when they're getting involved with the seductress, there should be some way that you can hold them accountable yeah. to that. Um, and so if they would start to get involved with the seductors, you could say, you know, you go down that road and there's this other thing that will happen. Or there's this other thing that I know about that it will be bad if you go do this. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's what that's talking about. Uh, chapter 20, verse 21, it says an inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Now, an inheritance, we, we generally think about that coming from, uh, you know, family members. Um, but I think when it says this gain hastily here, notice it's the person gaining an inheritance rather than be given an inheritance. Uh, so what I actually think this is talking about uh, in the modern day, we call this a get rich quick scheme. Yeah. You know, if, if you're watching yeah. a late night infomercial and they tell you, you can make $20,000 in a month. If you only make this phone call and that phone call, yeah, this one weird trick will make you at least yeah. a millionaire almost overnight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, wait, uh, there's more. Yeah. Yeah. That will not be blessed in the end. It will not work. 
you know, it, it, and for some very few people, it might work for a while, but it isn't going to last. Um, now I think you, you mentioned it's about money, you know, and I thought again, when I think of late night infomercials, I almost always think of uh, weight loss stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, th- this idea of it, is something valuable gained very quickly, uh, will not last. Right. So if they tell you, you can just take this pill and you'll start losing three pounds a day. It's not going to happen burn fat overnight. Mm, it's not, it's not going to happen. Hard work is what gets blessings in the end. Yeah. Um, so, and we, and we read a verse about how wealth gained by hard work that will last. Yeah. I, I, as a side note to that, uh, when you're talking about infomercials, I, I knew a guy who, who fell for one of those diets. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he threw out a lot of money for that and, uh, he started taking it. And, uh, after the second night, uh, of, of sleep on, on that medication, uh, he woke up and he had no head. Yeah, because it promised to burn fat overnight. <laughs> All right, uh, this, moving, moving on. Lucas, uh, <laughs> don't ever let him in the door again, okay? He's the, he's the host. I can't stop him. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Chapter 20, verse 23. Uh who diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord and dishonest scales are not good. Boy, that's almost the same exact verse just switched as we just read. Again, be honest about your money. Chapter 21, verse 13, whoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not heard. Now, here we have an example, the poor in this verse, this is definitely not the foolish poor. This is the poor who are unfortunate one way or another. They just don't have a lot of money. What about the Ukrainian poor right now? Uh, Well, (laughs) aren't they all right now? Uh, Yeah. The reason. And so as people are listening to this, the reason I'm stuttering is because, you know, a week ago, whenever it was, we had Russia uh, start, you know, attacking the city, the country of Ukraine. Now, the reason I'm studying is not because I have a problem helping, helping the poor in another country. Right. Uh, the reason I'm studying is, I'll tell you, boy, it's hard to believe what's actually happening is happening. That's right. And, and what I mean by that is there have already been lies exposed about different clips and things they've shown about the war yes. that it is difficult to know what's actually happening. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. So sorry if that first impression, Curtis, when you said, well, don't you want to help the poor in Ukraine? And I stutter. No, <laughs> of course, we help the poor wherever they are. Yeah. Uh, it was just the circumstance of this war with Russia and Ukraine. It's difficult to know what's going on. There's a lot of propaganda going. Right There's now. a yeah. whole lot of propaganda. So it's very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, but let's say I was like, well, I'm not helping the people in Ukraine. Uh, because, well, I don't really know what to believe. And so I'm just not going to help them. Oh, well, maybe I'm not going to be heard. So if you feel led to help, find an organization you can trust yep. and go through them. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if, if that's a good way to close that. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that I've exposed how sinful I am, let's move on to the next verse. Uh, (laughs) chapter 21 verse 14 it says a gift in secret pacifies anger and a bribe behind the back 
strong wrath. Uh-huh. Um, boy, if, if you're having contention with somebody and maybe more, you know, there's other people that know about it. If you give them a gift in secret, uh, that is in general going to pacify anger. And, and the reason why is because if it's totally in secret, the person who receives that gift hopefully as an understanding that you are giving a gift to try to end the contention rather than do something publicly that would do something bad. Right. Okay. Also, also maybe think of it this way. Uh, I have been personally aware of it. Well, where I, I had somebody who was opposed to some, some things I was saying and doing and, uh, in a workplace. And, uh, I found out through one of their friends that they were having some financial difficulty. And this was about 11, 12 years ago. And, uh, that they were not going to be able to pay their light bill. So I got their, the friend to give me their family and their name and, and the name of the electric company. And I paid their light bill for them anonymously. Oh, now, now, Here's the strange, here's the funny thing about that. I, I made the friends swear that not to tell them, and they didn't. But that person who was opposed to me before and, and really kind of gave me the cold shoulder on a lot of things, all of a sudden started warming up. Mm. You know, it was like a, a miraculous change of attitude. And uh, th- this may be what it's talking about also. Oh, how true the Bible is. A gift given in secret. Amen. Can I say it that way? Uh, but the second half of this verse, a bribe behind the back, strong wrath. Boy, if somebody, you know, again, if there's contention and you try to do something that is dishonest, that's kind of in the shadows, that makes everybody angry because you are being crafty. You're not being honest. You're trying to take care of it in a selfish way to get what you want. And once that gets exposed, nobody's happy. Um, I can think of situations in the workplace uh, where I have, uh, you know, I've had people stand up and say things pretty dishonestly. Mm -hmm. And boy, it just kind of makes you angry. (laughs) <laughs> um, the, I've even been in situations and, and the, you know, and I've, I've, I've worked in, well, never mind, I won't even say that, um, where they will say things in a way that makes the staff think a certain way about what happened, but they don't actually answer or say what happened. And to me, that's quite dishonest because I remember one of those and me and the guy next to each other, we looked and went, yeah, but what actually happened? And we never were told. So again, just a bribe behind the back, strong wrath. Boy, when you do things dishonestly and people find out about it, everybody's angry. Chapter 21, verse 17, it says, He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Why? Well, because you're wasting your money. Um. You know, and we, let's see, I, I completely lost my start. Wine and oil, you know, we talked about alcohol to be one of the, a couple of things ago there, God never says drinking alcohol is a sin, 
But if you're spending a whole lot of money on alcohol, alcohol is kind of expensive and you're not going to be rich because you're going to get addicted and that's where your money is going to go. Um, so be very, don't be wasteful with your money. Uh, but then chapter 21, verse 20, it says, there is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. Now, when I, when I was in college, I lived with uh, four other guys and I remember one or two of those guys saying that they ate a lot of ramen noodle soup and macaroni and cheese, you know, very cheap things uh, to get by. But somehow on the weekends, they went out partying and were drinking. And they also were able to buy a video game or two every month. And, uh, and I think of that, the reason I tell that story is because it wasn't that they didn't have money. It was how they used their money that made them have to eat that ramen noodle soup or whatever it was. Their entertainment was a higher priority than their and their sustenance that that's right and uh and so there is desirable treasure in the dwelling of the wise because you're spending your money wisely right um i've even <laughs> i even had a professor in college he talked about you know when he, he was in his college days talked about how little money he had and he said he uh instead of eating for like three or four days he used that money to buy some album um, I think it was a John Coltrane album, if I remember right. And the funny thing was he was so proud of himself and he was holding him in such high esteem that he starved himself for three days just so he could listen to this music. And I don't know, there's a part of me that goes, you know, you probably could have saved up your money over a couple of weeks and still ate. <laughs> you know, I just yeah. didn't see that as something to really be proud of, but you know, okay. All right. Chapter 22, verse seven, it says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Boy, what an important verse. Now, I think if you're familiar, if you're familiar of a guy named Dave Ramsey, who does does a lot of budgeting and and Christian, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. This is one of his big verse verses. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it is very important to be very, very careful about how you take out loans. Yeah. Now, you know, like myself, I have a loan on my house. And the reason we decided to take that loan, even though I know this verse, which means I'm a borrower, I'm a servant to that bank. Yeah. We decided, well, we could have a loan for 30 years and live in a house for 30 years, or we could save up our money for 30 years and buy our house Yeah. <laughs> while still paying rent the whole time. Which one are you yeah. going to do? Um, yeah. So again, it's not that it's saying it's wrong to borrow money. It's just the understanding that you do become a servant to that. You do. And and with that in mind, you know, what kind of house are you going to buy? You got to buy a mansion or are you going to buy just what you need? Yep. We, we bought what we needed because we knew that my wife was going to stay home with the kids and that if my salary went down, we could still afford to live here. Right. So you didn't you didn't borrow uh, above what your means were going to be to to, to pay. Uh, correct. Yep. OK. Yeah. And so, so while I, you still had to pay it. You're still a servant to the lender. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did it wisely. Yep. And that's true. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this is this is one of those verses where it, it 
I'll just put it this way. If you borrow money from a family member, that really changes Thanksgiving dinner. Um, because that, if you borrow from a family member, you are now their servant. The rich is ruling over the poor. That's you, the, the borrower. And that kind of changes the family dynamic. And so, you know, I, again, it's, it's not that you can't borrow from family members. It's that, you know, it may, it's probably not a good idea kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Chapter 22, verse nine, it says, he who has a generous eye will be blessed for he gives of his bread to the poor. Um, what, what will you be blessed with? Oh, honestly, anything and everything. Um, you know, we've had blessings, I would call them, uh, where we were forgiven payments. You know, I, I had a medical surgery done many years ago. And it ended up being that I submitted my paperwork and, you know, came out with a payment plan or whatever, ended up that doctor's office just forgave me that whole amount. Wow. So a lot of times blessing maybe isn't getting money. It's just not having to pay money, Yeah. yeah. which ultimately, if you think about it, is the same thing. (laughs) Not spending or not paying is actually the same. So anyway, if you have a generous eye, you'll be blessed. The more you give, uh, God will bless you for it. Not necessarily in terms of money, but you'll be blessed. Chapter 22, verse 16. He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. Mm. Um, And again, this is one of those verses where I think this principle right here that when you oppress the poor to gain money, I think that's one of the things that we're going to see decline even more the closer we get to the tribulation. Uh, The reason I say that is because there's a lot of very, very rich people in the world um, that their wealth has been kept for many generations, and they have certainly oppressed the poor a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm not what I'm when I tell say that I am not saying that this proverb is untrue. I'm saying that as evil grows to its height at the tribulation, we're going to see the the people who oppress uh, able to keep more and more because evil is just more and more per, pervasive in the world. The first shall be last. Mm-hmm. And the last and, shall be first. It, it, that's exactly right. And, and I think, you know, in the, in the tribulation, when it talks about the Antichrist being able to control who buys or sells. Yep. Again, we saw that in Canada a couple weeks ago. Oh, boy. Yep. So that already happened. Um, that now the control is not complete like it will be in the tribulation. Right. But the world already has the ability to control who buys and sells. Yeah. And so if, oh, go ahead. The ability and the proclivity. Mm -hmm, That's right. And so if they're going to retain that ability to control who buys and sells, that essentially means they're going to be able to retain their oppressiveness over the poor. Yeah. So again, not saying this proverb isn't true. I just think the principle worldwide, we're going to see it less as we get closer. Yeah. 
Chapter 22, verse 26 and 7, it says, Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, or one of those who is surety for debts. No. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should you, he take away your bed from under you? Yeah. Uh, and, and Curtis, you mentioned earlier, co-signing with loans. Yeah. Uh, yes, be very, very careful about co-signing with loans. Um, I know of a situation where a dad actually helped uh, one of their kids co-sign with a loan. And uh, they ended up defaulting and his credit got hurt because of that. Yeah. yeah. So again, just be very careful. I'm not saying we can't help people. We're supposed to be generous. Just be very careful if it's an area of surety in this debt issue. Verse 23 or chapter 23, verses four and five, it says, do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. Money comes, money goes. Yeah, that's right. Don't overwork to be rich. Now, when I think about that, I often think about career advancement. Yes. Um, I have, you know, read books where it's, it, it, I, I work in IT in my day job. So it happened to be a book about these, you know, guys that, they're up in the, you know, upper echelons of Google and Microsoft and Apple and these guys. And uh, this book was an interview of all these people. <coughs> and one of the things I learned was when they talked to each of them, talked about how they got where they were in whatever company, all of them indicated they were working 60, 70, 80 hours a week from yep. basically 20 or years old or so for about the next 15, 20 years. So they are successful in terms of their career, but I would call that overworking to be rich um, because a number of them said, you know, if what one of the interview questions was, what would you change or what would you tell yourself now that you knew? A couple of them said, boy, I'd tell them to spend more time with their family or I'd tell them to work less or, you know, whatever it is. Um, don't overwork to be rich. You know, don't spend more time listening to business podcasts and things like that than reading the Bible. Don't overwork to be rich. Uh, chapter 25, verse 14, it says, whoever falsely boasts of giving is like clouds and wind without rain. Um, <laughs> clouds and wind without rain. It's like it looks like there's this big storm coming, but there's not really a storm. Um, that's who is like falsely boasts of giving. I immediately think of Ananias and Sapphira. Ooh, yeah. uh, Acts chapter four, or is that chapter five? Boy, which one is it? Um, and uh, they falsely boasted of their giving. They said they gave the whole amount, but they kept some of it back. Yeah. Um, and in that case, they both died on the spot. Yeah, on the <laughs> spot. Yeah. Now, I am not saying you're going to die on the spot if you falsely <sighs> boast of giving. I'm just saying, don't do it. That's what the Bible says. Uh, chapter 27, verse 13, it says, take a gar the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in a pledge when he is surety for a seductress. And that was repeated a little bit earlier. And yeah. don't be surety or, you know, hold it so a person understands what they're doing. Uh, yeah. Chapter 27, verses 23 through 27. We're going to read a couple verses here. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds, 
For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and when the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of the field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. First of all, the first part, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. Uh, the Bible encourages you to budget. Now, what is budgeting? Well, it's knowing how much you're spending on what you're spending your money on. You know, what's your house mortgage budget? What's your gas budget? What's your food budget? What's your entertainment budget? You know, whatever it is, be diligent to know the state of your flocks. What's your income? What are you spending? Budget. So do budget. Um, and it says, then attend to your herds. Uh, attend to what you have. Uh, if you own a house, take care of it. Um, don't let your house just, you know, decrease in value because you're not fixing anything. Um, and I think this last, you know, four riches are not forever. Um, you want to keep working hard uh, because you may or, you know, what riches you have now might not be there in 20 years. Yeah. So make sure you know your budget, know all those things. Um, I think actually, you know, as I was studying this, I kind of thought of this, this whole part about uh, when the hay is removed and, and this sort of thing, uh, the lambs will provide your clothing, the goats, the price of the field. I think this verse is actually encouraging us to produce our own supplies. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that's part of it. It's saying, you know, have a garden. Yeah. Um, grow some of your own food, especially now, boy, if there's say a shortage at the grocery store. Yeah. You Prepare won't have for to, hard times ahead. Yep. Yeah. You won't yeah. have to be totally dependent on the grocery store. Yes. Um, you know, maybe you need to have some skills to mend clothing because maybe you won't be able to go out and buy clothing at some point. Um, now, are any of those things going to happen? I don't know. Um, considering where the world is going, as I look, I don't think they're going to plunge us into the stone age uh, because that would mean they can't control us as much as they do now. Um, but that's speculation on my part, you know, they could tank the economy and basically do whatever they want, but, but know, know the state of your flocks and be able to take care of yourself, self-sufficiency, if you want to put it that way. All right. A few more verses here. Chapter 28, verses, verse 8. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortions gathers it for him who will pity the poor. And again, I think that's true. I just think we're going to be seeing that less and less as we get closer to the rapture and the tribulation. Chapter 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Um, don't go to get rich, get rich, quick schemes. Don't hasten to be rich. Um, be content with what you have. And, and then a faithful man, if you're faithful, that means you're content because you're allowing God to control what you have will abound with blessings. Um, you know, it's interesting as we read all these, and there's been a bunch of verses. It's interesting that as we're generous and as we just walk in God's way, and as we don't seek after getting blessings for ourselves, boy, it's interesting how God gives us all blessings for doing all that, isn't it? Yeah. Amazing. 
it's almost like he says, okay, if you stop seeking after those blessings, I'm going to give you better ones. If you just trust me. Yeah. You know, what good advice. Okay. Chapter 28, verse 22, it says, a man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Yeah. So what is a man with an evil eye? Well, it's somebody who's greedy. Uh, I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus brings up a man with an evil eye. Uh, what is he talking about? He's not talking about that ant- that person necessarily being wicked. He's talking about him being greedy. So with your evil eye, you're hastening after riches. You're looking at things, you're coveting them, and you're just looking at how you can get more. Poverty will come upon you because riches are not forever. Riches takes wings, as we just were saying. Yeah. Okay, and the last verse we're going to do, 28, 27. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. Um, and this is a, this is a tough one. Um, I know in the area we live, uh, we live near Peoria, Illinois, and we will occasionally see people on the side of the road with signs out that are asking for money. Yeah. Um, now, are all those people really in need of the money? Are some of them dishonest? Yes. Sure. In fact, my wife has met some of them <laughs> that have tried to get money off of her. Um, but, you know, it does say he who gives to the poor will not lack. Um, you know, are all of them honest? No. But are some of them really in need and poor? Yes, they are. Is it really up to us to judge in the, in the quick of a moment at a stoplight which one they are? Or should we give them some money and hand them a tract and let God take care of the rest? Yeah. You know, but he who hides his eye will have many curses. If you just turn a blind eye to the needs yeah. of others, yeah. um, bad things could happen. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they could take many forms. So um, be generous with your money. Um, use it wisely. Yeah. And maybe that's a way to sum up everything we've been saying. That's right. So, boy, I think we did that in around an hour. Uh, That was money in the book of Proverbs. Uh, The Bible actually does have more to say about money. But, boy, that's a darn good start in an hour. Yes, it it is. is. You got a lot in there, brother. Yeah. I hope people listen to this twice so that they can get it all in. I'm serious about that. Uh, yeah, you, you have, there's so many verses. And if you just keep to those principles about how to use your money, uh, you're going to be blessed. And we'll get to the end of Proverbs, uh, where Solomon will eventually say, um, don't give me too much, lest yeah. I forget you, but don't yeah. give me too little, lest I have to steal. That's right. We want wherever that sweet spot is, which it's different for everybody, wherever that is, that's what we want. Yeah. How we yeah. Use our money. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So the principles of profit. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's nicely done, sir. Well, well, until you alliterated, I should have started with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm going to write that down on the calendar, circle it in big red. This was your mistake. You got to alliterate earlier. <laughs> I told J.B. Hickson on Tuesday, that the last Tuesday, that, that uh, I had a message similar to what he was doing only i alliterated everything and he went oh what a surprise yeah (laughs) he should have said what a wonder and then it would have you know (laughs) thank you brother Mm -hmm. 
All right. Thank you, Lucas, for that hour. And uh, that that's some good reminders and some good, some excellent biblical principle about money, what it is, what it's for, how to use it, uh, how to lose it, how to lose it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's covered, isn't it? Uh, you can you, you can lose it. it. It sprouts wings and flies away sometimes. Uh, that's the way it works. So uh, that was a great hour, man. I appreciate that. I wonder how many how many uh, brokers will be listening to this. I wish we wish we could find out, but uh, this would probably be a great segment for most brokers to listen yeah. to. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. Anyway, we thank all of our listeners for tuning in tonight. Uh, it's a great blessing to know that that, that you are listening and uh, hopefully that you are being blessed by what you hear. Uh, so be sure to be with us next Saturday night with Lucas next Saturday morning with pastor Dick and this coming Tuesday morning with, with JB Hickson, Dr. JB Hickson. Uh, and I, again, I don't know what the subject matter will be for Tuesday, but I'm sure. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I do. This Tuesday is going to be, pandemic related okay that's that's right we talked about that so be sure to tune in tuesday morning uh, to find out some really critical information uh, i think that you'll you'll find useful so lucas thank you once again appreciate uh, uh, that that informative hour sir uh, we 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 are truly thankful to have you aboard as a member of the team buddy Thanks. and uh, to all our listeners, we thank you again for tuning in. Be sure to be with us on Saturday mornings, Tuesday mornings, Saturday nights. Uh, we're we're going to give you some good good stuff. Our team is fantastic, and uh, I I don't think I could find a better lineup. Really, to be honest with you, as a producer, I'm blessed. <laughs> so listen. Uh, be sure to tune in with us uh, the next time we're on, which will be Tuesday morning. Until then. This is the Christian Underground News Network signing off until Tuesday morning. May God bless and keep you.